thank you all for coming to talk about bloggers, which as you can guess is not always the most engrossing topic. Uh, I've been to a lot of blog conferences and bloggers really, really like to talk about themselves. Um, and I don't really have the right to talk about them in the third person because I am one. Uh, we have a small technical glitch here, which is that I can't figure out how to uh, display just the slides up there and just my notes down here. Um, so uh, you'll be able to see if you really care uh, what is scripted and what is just springing brilliantly from my head. Uh, so uh, the basic idea today is to talk about how to use bloggers to make radio. So uh, we're going to hear some audio in a bit, uh, and I actually had uh, Zach Rosen here. Uh, generously, you want to just raise, wave your hand or something? <laughs> Uh, generously spent the last two weeks uh, using all the things that we're talking about today to actually create two short docs. So we're going to hear those uh, in a second. Uh, I'm going to run through uh, sort of uh, ways people tend to think about blogs and then uh, explain why it is that we should completely disregard what it is that we think we know about blogs. Okay, so you should care about blogs. You should really, really, really care about blogs. So this is a slide that you see a lot at blogger conferences, um, right before they all go to break and uh, pat themselves on the back for how well they're doing. But basically, uh, there are 50 million web blogs. Uh, most of them are actually real people. Some of those are spam blogs, which, are, which we don't really need to get into. Um, but this nice little curve here is tracked by a company called Technorati, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later, too. Uh, so uh, the Pew Foundation did a study uh, uh, and discovered that uh, 12 million Americans keep blogs. So this is a pretty significant uh, group of people and there are lots of interesting things you can do with that many people writing about themselves uh, on the internet. Um, so we kind of know who bloggers are. They've, uh, uh, they've entered into the popular media consciousness. There's a, there's a blog called Boing Boing, uh, which some of you may be familiar with. It's one of the most linked to blogs on the internet. It's a group blog with about five people. They get hundreds and hundreds of submissions a day of fascinating things uh, from weird music videos coming out of Germany. Uh, they, they have a weird obsession with things that you knit. Um, <laughs> I, iPod cozies that you can knit. That's, that's their little peccadillo. So, um, uh, they, uh, they're well established, Zenny Jardin, is, uh, as you have all probably here uh, at noon, is, is on an NPR show as a technology correspondent, um, and that uh, actually gets more incoming links than almost uh, any other publication except uh, the New York Times and a couple of others. Uh, there's the Daily Coast, uh, which you've probably also heard of. It's a, uh, Democrat, a site for democratic activism. Uh, huge community, huge sites uh, in the top uh, 20 of most linked to sites, not just blogs, but sites itself. Um, uh, this is also kind of not what we're talking about, but what people generally think of when they hear the word blogger. You see Marcos Melitsis, uh, I saw him on CNN this weekend. Uh, he's on book tour right now. Uh, he's sort of an accepted media figure, and he's often a stand-in for what bloggers are. Andrew Sullivan also on book tour right now. Uh, he's a little bit different than uh, the activist community of Coast. He's sort of a Thomas Paine. Um, also, seeing a lot of him on television, you see him on uh, Late Night with Bill Maher. There's a very famous YouTube clip where he scratched his butt on television. Uh, but he's a well-known figure and sort of commonly, and this is commonly accepted as what a blogger is, a single person writing about politics in his own voice. So there is actually, uh, 
uh, a definition of a blog. Uh, it, it is, uh, at, its at its simplest, it's a daily record of thoughts presented in reverse chronological order. So the most recent stuff uh, is up top. Um, but I didn't put that on a slide, because uh, you shouldn't write it down, because that's not what we're going to talk about. But that's the easiest way to structurally think about a blog. What we're interested in is not Coase or uh, Sullivan or Boing Boing, but uh, the 50 million, I, I don't know why I'm pointing to my screen when you can't see what I'm pointing at, but uh, the uh, 50 million, the database of uh, 50 million people that are writing about themselves. So it's actually much more interesting to us as producers in the aggregate than any single blogger. Uh, is 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 really useful, um, and a lot of the bloggers have entered sort of into the media sphere. It's very difficult to book Andrew Sullivan. He has interesting things to say. It's really hard to get him to say them on the radio, and that's because he, like any other public media figure, uh, has sort of moved beyond. Uh, you mean twelve million or fifty million? Five zero. Twelve million uh, Americans. Uh, have blogs. And they're also, uh, I, I was sorry I was unclear about that. This is tracked by Technorati, um, which I'll go into in more detail uh, later. It's a site that archives everything that everybody's writing on blogs around the world. So it's a global measure of 50 million and it's tracking it uh, mechanically, um, pulling, pulling in all the data from blogs. The other survey was a telephone survey done by the Pew Foundation, uh, which somehow determined statistically that it's likely that 12 million Americans have blogs. So, this I did put on a slide, because you should write it down if you're taking notes. The way to think about a blog is a person. The architecture is not important. So, uh, when we think of a blog, we think of a website, and we think that there's, there's, uh, there's some tech behind it, and there might be some people writing on it. This is much less important than the fact that behind that blog is a single person writing things down. And you can use what that person writing, is writing down uh, to find out lots of interesting things about that person. Okay. So, uh, throughout all of recorded history, this is a pretty standard picture that you would have seen. Uh, man, dwelling, alcohol. Uh, these are things that happen a lot in the world. Um, because he's not writing it down, he's lost to us. Whatever it is he's thinking and saying and the people around him and th are thinking and saying are as lost to us as uh, the Egyptians when they stood next to their buildings and drank their beer. So, uh, this guy though, he's found. Uh, he's also drinking a Sam Adams. I actually ran a search. They're both drinking Sam Adams. Um, but he is, uh, he's writing down what it is uh, that he's experiencing. It may be completely banal, uh, but it's captured, uh, and we can figure things out that way. And actually, there's a little white lie. This guy's not completely lost. I'll tell you how it is that we can get to him a little later. So this is what the blogosphere is. A searchable database of the thoughts, locations, hobbies, professions, and email addresses of 50 million people. So uh, Minnesota Public Radio has a really interesting project that they're working on right now called Public Insight Journalism, where they're using their broadcast signal to bring people in uh, to contribute uh, their professions, their interests, their income levels, even uh, their phone numbers uh, to a huge database. Uh, and reporters are actually working with analysts to mine that database to get contacts uh, for actual Vox. Um, if you do not happen to work for Minnesota Public Radio, uh, you can do this on your own because all of these 50 million people, they're all writing things down every day. All of that is searchable. Um, so some things about this mass of people. And so these statistics actually, we're just talking about bloggers in America. Uh, they're actually surprisingly equally split between men and women. There's this assumption that bloggers are all uh, middle-aged men with nothing to do. Uh, who are sitting in their basements uh, mad at George Bush. There are certainly a lot of those. 
but it is an actual equal gender split. Um, it is strangely more ethnically diverse than the average internet user. So once you get past the problem that you have with the digital divide, you're more likely to find minority bloggers than you are to find minority internet users. Why that is, I don't know, and Pew didn't know either. Um, the one problem is that it does skew young. 50% uh, of the bloggers in America are under age 30, uh, and as you can all guess, when you're looking for people to talk to, that gives you a certain bias. There are ways of getting around that, uh, but it's something that you have to be uh, aware of. Um, but uh, it is, bloggers are like Canadians. You never really know when you're talking to one, and they're all over, and you can't really tell, but they're constantly <laughs> writing things down. Okay. So here's even better data from the Pew Foundation. 76% of bloggers say the reason they blog is to document their personal experiences and share them with others. So um, as they write down what it is that they're experiencing, and they will pedantically write down everything that they're experiencing, and notice how I have again lapsed into the third person when I talk about bloggers. Um, uh, the whole point is to make sure that you have, that there's some record somewhere that somebody can read of what it is that they've done with their day. It turns out that's really interesting. Okay. So this was uh, a cartoon we had drawn for us. Uh, the, the blogger is named Hugh McLeod. He writes a lot about uh, marketing and how blogging is changing marketing and PR. Uh, and it's a little haha -ha joke uh, about how uh, bloggers don't write about anything significant. But if you take that actually at face value and run a search for the phrase, I watered my plants, and I did this this morning at 2 o'clock, I found, and I swear to God, this was the first result that came up, uh, a blog post from a woman who lives in Cambodia. On Saturday here in Cambodia, I had the strangest day of my life. I woke up, watered my plants, then suddenly it hit me, my neighbors were playing, it's time to disco at the loudest possible level. <laughs> Then I ended up at the nicest hotel in Phnom Penh at a press conference, but not just any press conference. It was a press conference with the Minister of Commerce and the Ambassador to Cambodia, in all caps, from Pakistan! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, so she's not interesting for the fact that she watered her plants. Um, but if you run a search for something completely banal like watering your plants, you'll find people talking about fascinating things. So now we've actually gotten to the point where we could begin, we can get in touch with her. She left her email address on the site. She also left her uh, IM address on the site. If we had questions, we could use her as a fixer in Cambodia. She might not have interesting things to say about Cambodia, but certainly she knows other people who have interesting things to say. She seems to have a relationship with the ambassador to Cambodia from Pakistan. Um, she gets us one step closer uh, to, uh, to a place uh, we can't get to. Uh, and this is, so um, I, I kind of wish that, uh, that I were Scott Carrier and, and wandered around the world with a mic and had interesting things happen to me. But unfortunately, what I get paid to do is sit in an office uh, in Cambridge uh, and find other people who are wandering around the world. So um, uh, I don't think that uh, being able to track someone down in Cambodia uh, is the solution. Obviously, you need to go and you need to see what's going on and you need to ask live questions. I just wonder, what's yeah. a fixer? Excuse me? A fixer. A fixer. So uh, if you are parachuted in as a correspondent to a place you've never been before, a lot of news organizations will have people who work locally uh, who aren't uh, journalists themselves, but uh, speak the language um, and know how to drive to the embassy, know how to find a driver, and can set you up with a couple of initial interviews so that you, the journalist who knows nothing about the country, can 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 sort of get your bearings. Um, I was wondering if you knew uh, about those statistics. How many of those are blogs that uh, like people might do once or twice and then like never visit again? 
Oh. Personally, I have a blog that my friends call a great detailed account of uh, July 21st, 2006. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think a pretty big percentage. I've seen uh, different percentages on that, uh, but uh, 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 up to half. So you're not alone is the good news. Um, but, however, uh, according to what we were just talking, as sort of in line with what we were just talking about, if you did something in Cambodia on July 26, 2006, and you wrote about it, we could track you down, and chances are we could get your email address from that blog. So it's still, uh, for our purposes as producers, it's not completely useless that you did that, so thank you. Um, okay, so I keep talking about blog search. There has to be a way to find these people. So the best way to do it uh, is to go to a site called technorati.com. So um, here's another important thing. There are lots of acronyms uh, on the web that are intimidating because they're acronyms and they are thrown about and nobody really explains them. So RSS, uh, it's really important not to be scared of RSS because it's gonna help you a lot. It just means really simple syndication. And what it does is it takes web content and instead of making you go to a website and look at something, it can send that information to you. And I can show you a little later on how you're actually going to see that information. It makes surfing the web, once you've decided what it is that you wanna read, much, much easier. Um, so what Technorati does is it constantly scans the web, finds these 50 million RSS feeds of everybody's daily thoughts in text, pulls them all into a huge database, and makes it searchable. So they do some interesting things with them that aren't that interesting for us. So one of the things they do is they track trends. Uh, so you can see right here there are uh, the, the most popular topics that people are writing about right now in the blogosphere, and they're kind of predictably boring. Um, YouTube, uh, George Bush, uh, the new release of Firefox, uh, biodiesel, that's kind of interesting. A lot of people are talking about biodiesel. Um, and Google, uh, YouTube, Firefox, Google, three major internet initiatives uh, in the top six. So uh, we see what the buzz is. Lots and lots of people are writing about these things. Uh, this is less interesting for us. What is much more interesting is, oops, search. <laughs> Um, so this works exactly like you would think you'd think it does. Uh, you'd search here like you would for Google, um, and if you are starting to do a piece about knitting, you would plug knitting in here and you would come up with, shockingly, thousands and thousands and thousands of results. There are a lot of knitting bloggers. A huge community out there. We actually did a show with them. Uh, so when you're searching, there's a lot of stuff uh, that uh, that we've learned um, uh, to sort of, you, you, it does take a lot of time. That's the one thing that I, uh, though I have drunk the Kool-Aid, I can't lie to you all about that. It takes, you have to page through many, many pages of completely uninteresting things uh, when you're searching for blogs. Lots of people, it turns out, are just writing about watering their plants. Um, and you will find them, they're out there. Lots of people only wrote one post. Um, so uh, there are some things that we've picked up. Uh, so the show that I work for, Open Source, uh, does this on a daily basis. It's a, it's a daily talk show. Um, wide range of topics, cultural and political, international. Uh, for every show, we run these searches to see if we can't find bloggers who either specialize in whatever we're talking about, whether it's Mozart or, or Paris or uh, whatever it is we happen to be talking about that day. Um, we've completely tapped out the Iraqi blogosphere. Um, uh, and, and figure out a way to put them on the air. So the things that we've learned, um, 
One, as you might guess, uh, any, any search for the name of a national politician is going to give you absolutely nothing. If you search for Cheney, you will, you will page through for an hour and not find one interesting or resonant thought. Um, as you go local, the, the, the political commentary gets more interesting. Uh, but lots and lots of people talking about Cheney, Bush, Kerry, um, none of it very useful to you. Live Journal. So there are a couple of different uh, blogging services. Uh, Blogspot is a very popular one. WordPress is a very popular one. Live Journal uh, works a little differently, and for some reason, because of the way it's spread, seems to attract a largely teenage audience. You can recognize Live Journal posts when you see them. Uh, you'll sort of get used to the way they show up on Technorati. They're almost completely useless. And I wish they weren't. I wish that I were a more curious person about youth culture. And perhaps if you are curious about youth culture, you can select for, for uh, Live Journal posts um, and, and, and figure something out. But they tend to be talking about uh, what they're watching on TV. Um, real URLs. So there are two different ways to set up a blog. If you're moderately technically savvy, you can install your own blogging software at your own URL. Uh, if not, then you can use a service. Um, the distinction between the two is that the services always make you use their URL. Um, and there are ways that you can run searches to actually find out someone's home telephone number uh, if you know that they registered under a certain URL. Uh, so as you're paging through the results, um, you're much better off with some, with a, with a, with a an address that reads myblog.com instead of myblog.blogspot.com. Um, Splogs are spam blogs. Uh, they basically pull in an RSS feed and replicate it and then sell uh, Google advertising. It's evil and it's annoying and there are a lot of them and you recognize them pretty quickly because they have absolutely no design elements. They're just designed to get people to click through uh, and, and, and make Google money. Um, but there are more and more of them and Technorati is constantly figuring out how to get them out of the results. Ah. Uh, so the, narrow, the narrower you get and the more local you get, uh, uh, the more useful your results are likely to be. This is very true with politics, uh, as I pointed out locally uh, re uh, before. Um, but uh, small town names yield really interesting things. It's uh, a fun little exercise to put your finger on a map um, and uh, run that uh, town name through Technorati, and somebody there is either satisfied or dissatisfied with his life in that small town, but it's, he's going to be satisfied or dissatisfied in an interesting way. Um, as you're searching for a town, if something has happened someplace, uh, I'll, the way the, the, the media traditionally covers it, they send everybody to that one town. Um, as you're running searches, you you figure out that you have to um, search for other towns, so it's helpful to get out a map. Search for surrounding towns, because often those people go to the same high schools uh, or will uh, drive back and forth to shop. So if you can find a mention of one local place and somehow get in touch with that person, you're very close to actually finding people who live where it is that you're searching. So um, the first thing that I say uh, when I talk to uh, shows about how to do this is that the best thing you can do is hire someone younger than you. Uh, I am 32, and I'm on the cusp of being too old to figure this stuff out. Uh, we hired uh, Greta Pemberton. She's sitting right there. Uh, she just graduated from college. Uh, she has figured out a lot of things that I was unable to figure out. It's very embarrassing. She's actually right now, uh, she's blogging for the Transom blog, which means she's blogging for a radio blog about a session where a radio blogger shows radio producers how to blog, which is great. So we call this the Greta Pemberton method. Uh, which has yielded really good results. Um, you want to describe the Greta Pemberton method? The Greta Pemberton method is to search for 
for your ideal phrase, sort of what you would love to find on a blog. Um, so for instance, we were doing a show about gerrymandering in congressional districts, and so I ran a lot of searches for, I was gerrymandered, or things like that. Um, if you want to find sort of more artistic writing, you can search for adjectives and adverbs along with your search strings. Um, but just really sort of what you hope someone is telling an interesting personal story about, um, you search for that sentence, a couple of different versions of that sentence, and you can often find a couple of people. It's remarkable how much there is out there. Yeah, you sort of have to pre-imagine what, what your ideal guest would be um, and, and, and figure out what you want them to be saying, and it's actually mildly successful. Um, uh, Greta actually prefers uh, Google blog search, which is why I put it up here, uh, which is a search that does the exact same thing that Technorati does, but gives uh, cleaner results. Um, so uh, there's another method, the Brennan Greeley method. Uh, and this is something that I do uh, every once in a while when I'm curious, uh, is that you run a search for something that you encounter every day. It can't be an object of national interest. It can't be anything exotic. It has to be something with, that we all come in contact with. Uh, um, I, for a while, found some really interesting, very personal blogs um, by searching for the term lint. Because if you were talking about lint, you were not talking about George Bush, you were talking about what's going on in your life. So the post that I would find that way would be people talking about naval lint. But then if you scroll, or scroll down, you realize that they were talking about their lives, which one day included naval lint. Unfortunately, that I've been robbed of that term because last week a new JavaScript application was named lint. So now when you search for lint, you find lots and lots of techies talking about JavaScript, um, which is too techy for me even. So uh, I tried a new one yesterday, uh, Screen Door, and uh, found a blog titled uh, Wendy Usually Wanders. This is a picture off of Wendy's blog. It's her RV. Uh, she has retired to her RV and is driving around the country. Uh, she's from Vermont. Uh, she recently uh, converted to the Church of Latter-day Saints, uh, and she suffers from lupus. So there are lots of interesting things that you could talk to her about, and there are lots of angles for stories that you could think about if you called her up. She has her email address right there on the site. This was the screen door post. I broke my own rule about driving in the dark. I wanted to get out of the Austin city limits. It had started to rain. By the time I got to Elgin, it was pouring. I soon found an official Texas picnic area where it is okay to overnight. Then the storm really took hold. Constant lightning kept the landscape illuminated like day. Sometimes the thunder made the sides of the RV bow in. It was so hot. All the vents and windows had to be closed, but I was able to leave the screen door open as it was tipped downhill enough to exclude most of the rain. For the second night, I made good use of my Walmart 50 cent personal fan to keep me cool and dry my hair. Uh, so I actually spent a lot, way more time than I should have poking around on Wendy's blog um, uh, last night. Um, so here's why I keep sending you to Technorati and Google blog search. Um, because if you search for these same terms on Google itself, you get all commercial enterprises. There's no way to filter out. Um, commercial enterprises are so successful at getting the incoming links that you need to get to move you to the top of the Google result. Uh, and they pay, you know, these people pay uh, sometimes millions of dollars a year uh, to manufacture search results to make sure they show up well in Google. So you will, you will scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll uh, until you find anything interesting in any, any sort of form of human life. So Wendy is somewhere in these Google results, somewhere down on the 80th page, you might get to someone like Wendy. But you're going to get to her much faster if you're searching through the uh, exclusive uh, uh, blog search services like Google Blog Search or Technorati. Okay.
So here's a big question. How do you use them once you find them? Okay. So um, many of the articles, although these articles, they've sort of stopped writing those articles uh, recently. A lot of the articles when uh, bloggers first hit the national scene during the presidential race in 2004. Uh, there was a focus on whether bloggers are journalists or not. Um, and that's an ultimately very boring debate and it's also kind of a moot debate because the most interesting bloggers are not competing with journalists, they are actually just writing about their own lives. So you don't think of them, you're not asking them to submit their work to you. In fact, that's almost always the last thing that you wanna do. Wendy is really interesting, I would not want her writing on my site, but I would wanna talk to her and find out what she had to say about living in an RV. I think that would be kind of fascinating. Um, so you have to think of them as people. Uh, they're not, and bloggers aren't, you know, a lot of newspapers look at bloggers as mini-me's. Um, you know, they, they, they kind of have their own thing going and they write about their own lives and they want to sell advertising, so they're basically a newspaper. Um, they're, they're not. Uh, so here's one way that we used, uh, we used bloggers. Uh, this was a show that we do uh, every June uh, on Bloomsday. Uh, we do Blogs Day. We spend a week, we pick one day, that has already passed and we spend a week searching for the most interesting posts that came out of that day. We bring two actors into the studio and the two actors and the host spend an hour taking turns reading them out loud. So this is what it sounds like. 9.01 p.m. I made it home last night about midnight after two hours on a flight where they bumped me inexplicably into business class. I've decided one should not try to drink free Chardonnay, read Oryx and Crake, and listen to Get Behind Me, Satan, all at the same time. Tomorrow morning, I'm flying to Huntsville, Alabama for a meeting. Most of what I know about Huntsville comes from making airplane and motel reses and staring at the bird's eye view that MapQuest provides to see how far my Hertz rental will be taking me from the airport to the motel to the client site. The only thing I know about Huntsville is that the U.S. government built a German village there in 1945 to accommodate Werner von Braun and the other rocket scientists that we scooped up just ahead of the Russians. It's no wonder that the largest splotch on MapQuest is the Redstone Arsenal. 10.39 a.m. I liken working in a financial institution to the equivalent of busy work when you were in grade school. This is busy work for grown-ups, so I've decided to start having fun with it, singing at my desk, tell myself jokes and then laugh uncontrollably, scaring my coworkers a little. I see how fast I can make one lap around my floor and then how slow. I walk sideways to the copy machine. I walk past people, refuse to say hi, and then write them irate emails about how they snubbed me. What the deuce, I'll write. What's your problem, I'll ask. I made a little animal by snapping different sized binder clips together. I painted a whole picture using highlighters and whiteout. I've started gluing nickels to the floor in the break room right below the snack machine. I replaced all of my deskmates' pens with thinly rolled paper that, when unrolled, read, Jesus loves you. If they fire me, no big deal. I'm sure unemployment is a lot of fun, too. In honor of Bloomsday, this is Blogs Day with the actor. Uh, okay. 
So that's one way to use them, and that's, uh, that's basically taking bloggers at their word. That's taking the work that they actually write. Uh, and we got into a bit of a scrape about this. Um, some bloggers were mad that we had taken their words, although uh, under fair use, we actually kind of have a right to do it. Um, we're, we're mad that we had taken the, uh, their, their words and read them out loud on the radio. Most of them were absolutely thrilled. Um, but that's basically taking them at their word. They write a thing, you take that thing, you work it into your programming. Um, the problem is, uh, people are actually much more interesting than... Hey, just a quick question, did, yeah. you, did you edit any of that? Like if you take blog, do you edit or do you take um, We kind of wrote a rule for, our, for ourselves that we don't change the wording. Um, we'll, we'll excise, um, but once you start making things phrased better or phrased better for radio, then you get into real trouble. Um, uh, and there are also, uh, you, uh, one of the things you can look for on blogs uh, that make things a lot easier is a Creative Commons license. Um, and that's actually not part of the presentation. I'd be happy to, if anybody's curious about it. But it's basically uh, a way that um, bloggers or content creators can signal to you that you, a uh, nonprofit institution, can use their work as long as you credit them, which is great. Um, and more and more blog searches are actually allowing you to restrict your search results to just people who have licensed under Creative Commons. So the problem is that people, people are following a model that's kind of boring. Uh, a lot of people think that they should be uh, political columnists, uh, or, um, and it's just not that interesting. It's almost never interesting to hear what somebody has to say about George Bush. It's never insightful. Um, and it's certainly never something that you haven't already heard before. What is interesting about these people is this thing that I keep hammering away about, what they're, what's going on in their own lives. But what you have to do then um, is drag out what they didn't actually write. So, Andrew Zach Rosen, you wanna come on up? So uh, I found out today, actually I have this up, I didn't know that Zach was a blogger. He is, in fact, a blogger, um, but uh, most of these tools, all of them were unfamiliar to you? All of them, yeah. I just kind of blog to keep my mom updated with my life and, <laughs> and friends. So really, um, I'm just kind of reading, the only blogs I read are like public radio blogs or the blogs of you know, my friends and family. Um, so. This is foreign to me. Uh, so uh, I. It was foreign to me. That we um, so at Open Source we have a, a lot of documentary producers, uh, but we're all familiar enough with this that I wanted to sort of see what happened if you threw somebody in this environment and said, "Go make some radio." Uh, and I talked to uh, Julie Shapiro, and she suggested uh, Jack, who, Jack, Zach, reading his name right now, um, uh, whom I hadn't met before this. Uh, so we emailed back and forth for the last two weeks to talk about uh, the same stuff that uh, we've been talking about, and he with very little guidance, uh, certainly less guidance than I promised, um, went and produced a, a short doc. Uh, the short doc uh, stems from the following premise. He decided that he wanted to learn about one specific in industry. That industry, and he can tell you why, because I don't really understand, was the zipper industry. So these, this is a documentary that resulted from uh, the uh, search terms YKK and zipper. Oh, you want to? Really, I still I'm not sure quite why I chose it. Just I guess because still I'm walking out of bathrooms and forgetting to you know <laughs> zip up, which is ridiculous. Um, so that's kind of a universal feeling, I think, unless I'm just you know more forgetful than most. But I guess we can just go into it. No, it's this one, right? The newer one. Yeah. People think, well, what's the big deal about zinc? Why is zinc so important? Why did Extrata? a mine management company in Switzerland, recently acquired Falconbridge, a Canadian-based mining corporation. Y-K-K. -K. Look, Look down at the zipper on your pants. 
there's a good chance that it says YKK on it. Yoshido Kagyu Kabush Iki Kaisha, or YKK, was founded in 1934 by Tadao Yoshida. Today, the company produces almost 50% of the world's zippers. The rest are probably made by any one of about 1,000 small Chinese zipper companies. Len Gillis used to work in a zinc mine owned by Falcon Bridge in Ontario. YKK depends on this mine to supply their company with zinc for their zippers. We always joked about zinc being one of the, the most boring metals you could imagine, but when you think about it, zinc is just a huge, uh, a vital metal in our industrial, the industrial Western world. YKK zippers, by and large, have zinc in them, and the, the, the properties of zinc prevent rust. And of course, no one wants to have a rusty zipper for a whole variety of good reasons. If we didn't have zippers, a lot of us would be just coming undone. Most of us have had, at least once, zipper issues. There's a reason men and women come walking out of public restrooms looking down at their zippers. We're just double-checking that everything is covered up and ready to go. Came to work one day, and it was a Monday, which you know made it even more memorable. And uh, I'm sitting there in my pleated pants, and you know, if you sit in a certain way, it kind of looks like you're getting a, you got a little bit of activity down there. And, you know, not the kind of impression you want to make in a room full of coworkers. Matt Scheif lives in Boise, Idaho. He keeps a blog laden with self-deprecation. It's called Confessions of a Dumb White Guy. So I noticed that, and I looked down, and I also noticed that my zipper was wide open. And, you know, I tried to fix it as subtly as I could. And that's when I noticed that um, the zipper was also broken. And so I was just pretty much stuck in the meeting, squirming and trying to cover myself as much as I could without giving my coworkers a peep show. If only Matt would have known about the ZRK, or Zipper Repair Kit, his zipper issue may have been averted, or at least prevented from happening again. ZRK, this is Kate. Unless something, you know, a tooth is missing on the zipper or a coil is bent out of shape, um, it's usually always the slider. Kate McCabe owns and runs the Zipper Repair Kit Enterprises in Ashland, Oregon. If you're having zipper issues, the problem likely lies in the slider. You know, the little metal flap you pull open and closed? McCabe and her late husband realized this when they owned a canvas shop in the early 90s. Almost every day, someone would come through the door with a zipper problem. And they would always seem to be under the impression that they needed a new zipper put in, a whole new zipper which wasn't true, it was most of the time it was just the slider that was worn out. So my husband put together this kit, and um, that was in 93, and it's, you know, been going great since then. We just decided to close the canvas shop and put this kit on the market, and we did it. I asked Kate if she thought the zipper would ever become obsolete. Oh, gosh. You know, I just don't think so. It's just such an amazing invention. Um, 
So uh, one of the things that I actually noticed listening to it for the first time, and this is a problem that you'll always have when working with bloggers, it's, it's, um, you, you get a lot of phone sound. So as you're you know, sitting in your room running computer searches, and when you find these people, you can't really fly to Cambodia or Boise uh, and uh, where, where one of the guys was uh, and, and get that sound. So that's sort of a limitation that you have to accept. It works for us because we're a talk show. Uh, but if people do sound-rich documentaries, and that's what people do at Third Coast, uh, it's something you kind of have to be aware of. Um, OK, so uh, I'm going to let Zach talk a little bit about how he found these various people. The first one uh, is uh, Len Gillis. We always joked about zinc being one of the, the most boring metals you could imagine. But when you think about it, zinc is just a huge, uh, a vital metal in our industrial, the industrial Western world. YKK zippers, by and large, have zinc in them, and the, the, the properties of zinc prevent rust. And of course, no one wants to have a rusty zipper for a whole variety of good reasons. If we didn't have zippers, a lot of us would be just coming undone. Right. So, so this is Len. He was the first person I talked to. My first search was as it says there, YKK zippers, and I was using the Google blog search. I kind of like that more than the Technorati as well. Just, I don't know, it just looked nicer to me. It was easier. Um, and I, I probably paged through like 15 or 16, uh, you know, pages of, what is it, like 10, 10 blogs each. So I looked through a bunch um, of YKK zippers. Mostly what I was seeing was that, like, did you know stuff about YKK stands for this? It was, you know, founded in 1934, so there was a lot of like friends just telling other friends like, yeah, this is what YKK stands for. So I did use some of that as you heard. Um, but I was looking for someone who had some sort of personal investment in it. And then I saw that Len, in, here in this entry, I saw this, this very entry, and here he's talking about the Falcon Bridge mine thing, and I wasn't quite sure how he, he knew about that stuff. So I emailed him, and two days later, he, I emailed him saying, um, I'm doing this kind of weird thing that someone asked me to do for a radio conference. Uh, he told me to pick a, an arbitrary industry, and I've chosen zippers for no real reason. And I see that you are somewhat of a, a, a zipper expert. Can you, would you be interested in talking to me? So he emailed me back a few days later saying, sure, I'll talk. I'm not quite sure what, what you're after, but um, give me a call. It turns out he used to work for the CBC um, in, in Ontario somewhere. But um, before that, he worked in a zinc mine because at the time, this was 20 years ago, zinc mining was paying more than, you know, more than what he was earning as a radio producer, which is pretty funny. Um, so we, uh, we just started talking a little bit. I, I told him I, I myself wasn't quite sure what I was looking for, so he just told me that he used to work in a zinc mine and then basically just told me what he told you about you know, rusty zippers. Um, so then, that's where I was. I kind of organized that into a little mini script. Wasn't quite sure where to go from there. Emailed it to Brendan. Then Brendan's like, find more people, find more vocals, search broken zippers, just try to find people, try to find stories. 
So I then searched. So I just, I just want to add in before we get to, uh, to, to Matt, the, the, the thing about this is that this post is not really useful for production. All this post tells you is that this guy happens to know something about zippers. That's a really interesting thing about him, that he worked in a zinc mine, and it wouldn't have occurred to him to write that down about himself. You all like, so that what they actually write on their blogs is of less interest than what you can sort of glean from it and then call them and follow up on. So, um, so then, broken zippers. Um, I found confessions on the first, because the first uh, page of the results yielded, um, and I just saw he was retelling this anecdote. So I searched for him. It took really, whereas with Len, it took probably about 30 minutes to find him. Searched him, found him in about 30 seconds. Emailed him, took another 30 seconds. He emailed me back. You know, a few hours later, um, talked to him the next day. So in less than 24 hours, we were talking about, you know, him being exposed in an office in, in Boise, um, and he was excited because uh, obviously people who are talking about their personal life um, on the internet would be excited that people they don't directly know um, are interested in any way. And it's funny he doesn't tell his friends. His friends don't know that he keeps this blog. So it's, even though it, it says his name is Matt Scheif right on there, but I guess his friends have never, you know, like Google searched him. So really, he's writing this as just an outlet for himself and I guess for random people. And he said for a while he was getting like 30, 40 comments a day on, on some earlier entries. Um, yeah, that's the other thing is that people are, um, it's refreshing working as a producer to talk to bloggers because they're thrilled that you called them up. They're really cooperative. They call you right back. They'll talk for hours. It's a fundamentally different experience than uh, than trying to work through George Will's publicist if you want to get him on to talk about the Republican Party. And it's uh, uh, you get a lot more useful information a lot quicker. I don't know if you necessarily immediately get more useful information, but you certainly get a lot of information much quicker. So yeah, I, I called him. He was, I called him when he was at work. Actually, he's like, let me step a, step away for a second. I don't want anyone to to hear me tell the story. Um, and then he just he just told me, again, what, what uh, he told you. The tape that I got for Len and Matt was you know, no more than like five minutes in length, so there wasn't much you know, calling that I had to do. So when I hammered away at the point that bloggers aren't journalists, and it's, it's on the sign out there, they're, they're sources, fixers, and correspondents, um, uh, the, the categories kind of bleed back and forth into each other, but I tried to assign one to each of the people that he found. Uh, Matt is a source about his own life. It's not really of universal interest his own life, but for specifically what Zach was trying to do, uh, Matt ends up being a source. Uh, the next, um, Kate McCabe uh, ended up being more of a fixer. She actually works in the zipper industry. If you wanted to do a, a, a thorough profile of exactly how the zipper industry works for half an hour, then you'd want her on that. You'd also want her Rolodex, which she uh, provided uh, to Zach as well. So Yeah. Um, I found her by, this was the same broken zipper search, and I found some girl's MySpace saying, like, if you have a broken zipper, don't worry. This girl is going to you know, take care of you. <laughs> Um, so there was just a link on, on her MySpace. So I followed it there, called Kate. I'm like, hey, Kate, explain to her my project. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm, that's, that's amazing that you found me. And really, like, she and I just like, developed this really um, like, lovely kind of intimate rapport. And like, we were just so excited to 
she was so excited to be talking to someone that didn't necessarily want a blog kit or a, a zipper kit from her, just like that was just interested in her. She was, she was really grateful, and I was grateful that she was being so sincere with me. And um, we talked for, we talked over two days. The first time we talked for like a half hour. She was like, just so. What do you do? She was just, she just like wanted to know about my life. <laughs> I have that, that, that piece of tape where she's just saying like, so Zach, what do you do? Just the way in which she says it is like one of the, like the best things I've ever recorded just because it's like pure heart. Um, so just to have found each other, it was great. Turns out her husband used to be a roommate of Barrett Golding. So <laughs> she's like, do you happen to know this guy Barrett Golding? I'm like, yeah, he was my, he was my audio doctor last year. Um, you know, at, the, at this very conference that I'm producing this for. She's like, that's great. I'm going to send her a copy of it. I feel like we're friends now. Um, but it was funny because I was like, you must have some zany stories, some quirky anecdotes about, you know, people and their zipper issues. Um, and she's like, you know what, call me back. I'm going to think about it. And I called her back the next day. She's like, I've got nothing. Um, so it was a little disappointing. I asked her, I was trying to like probe her a little bit. I asked her if she had seen there's something about Mary because there's that, you know, infamous being beans above the Frank uh, scene, I don't know, like the guy, Ben Stiller gets his, gets a, you know, something equipment. caught in his equipment caught um, in the zipper and like she hadn't seen it. So like none of this stuff was working. Um, so I just kind of wasn't sure if I would be able to use any of the tape, but it, after having uh, talked to Matt and him talking about a broken zipper, I'm like, okay, I can, it, it just really organically fed into what she did without her necessarily needing to tell me like a, a really quirky thing. She was basically just telling me like what you know her company is and how it got started, which is pretty basic stuff. Like some of the first tape I got was just you know that. Um, there's a disadvantage that comes with that kind of intimacy, and it's something that we've uh, learned a lot at Open Source is that <clears throat> people are so genuinely excited to hear from you, and they're so genuinely excited to be on the radio. Uh, that they take a lot more care in feeding uh, than a publicist would. And it's good, you know, you want to have this relationship with someone, but you also like want to get through your day and not have to answer 15 emails and not have to answer really long emails where they're really curious about what's going on. Uh, it's not always the case, it's not even most often the case, but you, when you're, it is a very personal thing to read someone's account of his or her own life and then follow up and say, tell me a little bit more. Uh, and then if they're not used to being in the media, uh, to just say, okay, that was great, thanks a lot, the show's done. Uh, so you do, uh, there is a time cost that comes with all of this that you don't have when you're just calling up a publicist and the publicist says, great, I'll let you know in an hour, and they hang up the phone and you're done and you move on. Um, basically just what I was saying before, it was, it was really just the moment that um, Kate just like unexplicitly thanked me for finding her was just amazing and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a new producer. Um, so I haven't made that many pieces, and all the pieces I have made, I've had subjects, um, you know, the, the people I, I wanted to interview, I knew I wanted to interview them beforehand, and then just simply went out and found them in Detroit. So it was very kind of insular in that regard. And this was just like so, so much from like every, from everywhere. Um, and like I said, I don't use my blog to connect with people on the other side of the country or world. So just this immediacy was just um, so refreshing, and it was so new, it was like, this is such a viable um, way to to find wonderful people. I was um, really, really relieved when he said that when we were talking about it earlier today. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it was just really fun. It was, um, 
I don't know, I just like, even though zippers isn't that interesting and even though the piece is kind of scattered, um, it was like, I just like believed in what I was doing for the two days that I produced it. It was like, it was really kind of a, like a righteous mission. Yes. Uh, okay, so on your righteous mission, uh, once you locate bloggers that you want to talk to, uh, there are a couple of things to keep in mind. Uh, we found out very early uh, on, on in open source, uh, we were cranking through as many blogs as we could that had anything to do with a subject that we wanted to know about, and we were sending boilerplate emails uh, to all of them. And we found that uh, not only did we get better responses, we got a much higher response rate um, if we picked, instead of 20 blogs, five blogs that ex had exactly to do with what we wanted to know about. And then we actually did a thorough job of reading them, crafting two or three sentences that indicate, I care about you, I have read your blog. Um, people smell spam and they hate it. Uh, so you're much better off being selective, uh, spending a little more time in search, spending a little more time writing your emails uh, than you are uh, having interns grind through as much as you can uh, possibly send out. Uh, and that's the last bullet point. You have to actually read the blog because it is. It's a lot like talking to someone at a cocktail party. Um, social rules apply here. Uh, media producer rules don't apply. Uh, so it's like walking up to someone. You have to ask them about themselves. You have to show that like you're paying attention when you read uh, you know, what it is that they're saying about themselves. Um, uh, the good thing is they love public radio. Everyone loves public radio. It's a real advantage. Even the righties love public radio. Like, I was really worried when we did some of our political shows that like people wouldn't return our calls or they'd be nasty about it, but they came on the show, uh, they, uh, they were really excited to talk to Chris, and then they went back to their own blogs, they identified him as a liberal, yeah, he's kind of a liberal, but it was fun, I feel like we got a fair shake, and people trust public radio. That's work that has been done over years that we can now profit from, but bloggers are big, big fans. Um, and you also see that, uh, you know, incoming links are a measure of respect. Um, and NPR is in the top 10 of news organizations, period, worldwide, um, with incoming links from bloggers. Um, also, regardless of who you work for, you will work for NPR, as far as they're concerned. We are a PRI show sponsored by UMass Lowell. We, all of our incoming links say, hey, I was on this great NPR show the other day. Just accept it. Um, my, my Kate experience was with Big Kiai. So Big Kiai, uh, the subtitle of his blog is um, The Karate Adventures of a 365-Pound Guy. The most sincere person I've ever read. He's amazing. He keeps an almost daily log of, uh, of what it is, uh, of, of his training regimen. So he decided that he wanted to be able to spend more time with his kids and that he wanted to be able to sort of have more fun with them when they were running around in the yard. And he decided to lose weight by running every day and eating better and uh, taking karate. And he is so sincere about his karate. Like every belt is a huge accomplishment. And it's so... I don't know. I'm I'm exactly that age where 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 we've been practicing jaded for like 15 years, and he's completely not jaded. Uh, and so I I read his blog pretty often, uh, and we put him on one of our blogs day segments, um, and he quotes uh, Sensei Dorale all the time, who is evidently a very wise woman as well as a good karate instructor. Uh, okay, so back to this guy. I told you uh, he wasn't completely lost, and he's not. So there's another complimentary service uh, to blogs called Flickr, which is an amazing site. Um, it's an amazing, even if you're not using it to produce. Um, uh, basically, if you're not familiar with it, uh, you can upload pictures. Anybody can see them. 
uh, and you tag them with their subject matter, which makes them searchable. Uh, so I, for example, when I'm bored at work, I look at an RSS feed that I have of all the pictures on Flickr tagged sailboat because it makes me happy. And about 50 come in every day. Uh, so this guy, I found him on Flickr. I ran a search for Sam Adams because I wanted another complimentary Sam Adams picture to the other one that I'd found of the guy typing with a Sam Adams bottle. This uh, is a, a shot, a screenshot from the actual Flickr page. We find uh, information here underneath the tags that you see on the right. Party, barbecue, Sam Adams, those aren't that revealing, but he's in Milford, New Hampshire. So what is true for the blogs is true for the photographer as well. The picture might not be that interesting, but somebody took that picture and you can talk to that person. And if something happens in Milford, New Hampshire and you run a search, you can find this photographer who is standing in Milford, New Hampshire taking this picture. You can email them through the service and you can get them on the radio. And we've done this. We found people in Pakistan this way. We found people after the London bombings who had taken pictures of uh, police tape in London uh, and we found people who had been stuck in traffic jams and it actually made for an interesting 15 minutes of radio. Uh, we found uh, a woman, we, she didn't want to be on the radio, so we just did a feature about her on the website, who had taken before and after pictures of her garden in Sarajevo 10 years ago, uh, and then last year. And there was a picture of a, um, I should have put it in this presentation, but I'm running over as it is, uh, of, of, uh, of, of a half-exploded shell that she was using as a planter. Um, and she wrote us this gorgeous email about why she stayed in Sarajevo, and why she went back, and what it was like to replant her garden. And it was, there was, we only found her because we ran a Flickr search uh, with the word Sarajevo. Um, the hardest thing to do is uh, keep track of all of this. So I'm going to give you one more uh, URL, bloglines.com. So the reason I told you earlier not to be uh, afraid of RSS is because once you find these blogs that you like to read, uh, Big Kiai, for example, um, you can grab the RSS feed. Um, and pull it into a service like Bloglines. Uh, we prefer Bloglines for a bunch of reasons. Uh, and it will automatically pull into your browser um, everything that is produced um, immediately when it's produced. So what this means is you, your browsing habits change. You're no longer going to the URLs where you, you'll know you'll find stuff and seeing whether or not it's been updated. If it's updated, it shows up in your Bloglines account. Um, so I have about 150 uh, blogs that I track regularly, and it's actually really easy uh, to scan through them uh, and see what's new. And a lot of uh, mainstream media uh, provides very detailed RSS feeds as well, so you can get a feed from the New York Times of just stories on politics uh, or just international stories. Um, so the problem is as you search and search and find all this information, uh, it does become overwhelming. Um, and that's another thing that like, uh, even though I've drunk the Kool-Aid, it's a, it's a problem uh, for us at, at open source uh, because we're trying to manage so much incoming information that we, once a month or so, all have to sit down and clean out our blog lines accounts and really make decisions on whether this is still interesting. Big Ki always makes the cut. Okay, so this is, uh, we did, uh, uh, Zach did two, uh, two short docs. Uh, the last one uh, was, uh, a, had a completely different feel to it. Uh, he decided he wanted to learn something about Antarctica uh, and ran a search and found a guy in Antarctica and got him on the phone. So I'm gonna close with, yeah, please. Um, there's a 16 hour time difference and he couldn't take calls. He, he could just place calls, so. I've never talked, I never spoke to him in real time, and all I did was have him leave a really long message on my voicemail. 
I just wrote him like an email saying like kind of treat me as you would like a close friend or like your mom or whomever like having just arrived in this place tell me what you see look out your window what's around you just try to be um, just speak with as much detail and uh, spontaneity as you can so he just left like a six minute message and I just chopped it down a little bit let's see if this plays all the way through on the ice kind of odd to see seals and penguins real close to town. Uh, they are around. There's a lot of them. But you occasionally get a seal that pops out of, from the ice not too far from town here, and you can go out and look at them. Also, there's birds around. They call them skua birds, which are kind of like seagulls, but they have a lot meaner. They're like the seagulls you see at the seashore, but it's like they're on steroids. This is Matthew Strine. I'm calling to you from McMurdo Station in Antarctica. McMurdo Station is located on Ross Island, which is permanently connected to the rest of the continent by a, an ice shelf that never leaves. If I look out my window, right now there's ice covering the ocean, but come December, most of the ice will probably leave on the open ocean. Uh, we'll probably see some whales. McMurdo Station is nestled below Mount Erebus, which is the southernmost active volcano in the world. And usually on a clear day, you can see it smoking out of the top. We're in the austral summer, which means we're 24-hour daylight, so even at midnight, you need your sunglasses out. There's a couple bars in town here, lots of hiking. Uh, if I look out the window also, I can see Robert Scott Hutt. The hut is pretty amazing in the fact that it totally remains as it was when it was left uh, the last time anyone used it was 1913, and everything in the inside is preserved because it's uh, constantly below freezing here. It's really an honor to be down here and get to see a place not too many people get to see. Questions. Sorry. This is um, Anna Bruno, but it's actually from Ellen Horn. Uh, she said, You said if you had a real URL and you can track down a home phone, how? Please show us. <laughs> okay. So uh, on your, um, do I have an internet connection? So uh, I tried to get a screenshot of this earlier um, and I didn't have an internet connection. So basically, uh, on any Mac, you have this program called Terminal. Um, and you can run a who is query. So you type in who is and then the URL. So and this is a state secret. I really shouldn't be telling you guys this. Uh, let's do. Think. Okay, so what happens is. Um, every URL has to be registered to someone. Um, and 
large companies have uh, have organizations that secure their URLs for them and also make sure that you can't track down their phone numbers. Uh, but the smaller the company and the more likely that it's actually a person, the more likely you are to be able to get uh, a real phone number. Um, so uh, this is actually not us. It's a... Um, it's uh, a sysadmin that we worked with named uh, Phil Jacob, uh, who uh, secured the domain for us. So you would get one step closer to us. If you called this, you'd get Phil's house, and you would say, I'm looking to talk to the people at Open Source. Uh, and depending on what kind of a mood he was in, he might give it. Let's, let's try York blog. Well, that's actually not a good. Let's try Big Chi. Okay, so I'm typing in W-H-O-I-S, uh, who is, space, and then the URL without all the HTTP www. Okay, so uh, he registered it through a, um, through a registry service. Um, it's not always successful. Uh, it works, I don't know, half the time, but I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm embarrassed to sit here for the next 10 attempts and not be successful. Um, uh, if you have a terminal program, uh, and any PC has it, if you can find it under utilities, but if you have a terminal program and you're hooked up to the internet, uh, it has, it's not, uh, it's not um, uh, platform specific. So, yep. I just wanted to say a, a way that people might find easier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't even really be doing this because I'm a journalist for, I'm reporting on this conference, so I should be putting in. But I just wanted to say, as a journalist, I do this too. Um, an easy way to do it just with a web browser, there's a website, betterwhois.com, B-E-T-T-E-R, whois.com. I think it's a .com. And you can go there and plug it into a uh, search field. Yeah, right here. Under www, you just type the URL there and it'll spit back the same information. So if you have a PC or a Mac, you can do this, and you don't have to do it in the terminal. You might find it a little simpler. But in general, it's, it's likely to work much better with bloggers than it is for uh, larger companies. You can't if you if you register you or you register under a shadow organization. So if you if you did who is to time .com, you certainly wouldn't get any phone numbers. Um, but if you register, I mean, if you register a domain, that domain has to be you know the the, the actual name of the of, of your website uh, that has to be registered to a real person. That's part of the, the you know the, the agreed protocols of the World Wide Web. Uh, so you, I mean, you, you you can't really unless you unless you use a, a bulk registry service. I have a question. Sure. So uh, I had a, a blog very briefly for Crossing East, and I dismantled it because I was getting a lot of spam mm -hmm. postings, and they were usually either about sex or drugs, you know. So, <laughs> so how do you avoid that? Uh, welcome to the war. Uh, it's it's impossible. Uh, I. There's, um, there's, we, we could easily do a two-hour session on, on, on that, which is I'm not trying to deflect the question because it's actually something that uh, I'd be happy to talk about because I deal with it every day because I'm the sysadmin for radio open source. Um, and there are lots of different things that you can do. Spammers have figured out uh, blogs pretty well. And it's actually, it's really, uh, it's insulting because they are using your Google ranking. And so they're basically stealing your Google ranking. Um, different, their different services have different ways, but nobody's, nobody's really figured it out because we still get it every day.
Would you like, how do you set up an RSS? Okay. Okay, I can, I can actually uh, walk you through it right now. That's not that. Um, so the service that uh, is the easiest to use is Bloglines. So uh, I have an account set up on Bloglines. Uh, you just go to bloglines.com and register for an account. And then, so if you go to a site, let's try, let's do Radio Open Source. So often, um, most sites will have little icons somewhere labeled RSS. There's almost a universally recognized orange uh, that, that people use to generate RSS buttons. Um, when you click on that, you get, and this is not at all uh, intuitive and it needs to be better, and that's one, of the, that's one of the reasons that it's taken so long for people to adopt RSS is because it's just, it's in, it, the people who build this stuff are like, well, that's just an XML feed. How could that be confusing? And then you click on it. And hopefully it loads because this is my site. Yeah, that's just XML. What's wrong with that? <laughs> How could that be confusing? Um, and then, so you copy and paste that. You go back to blog lines. You copy and paste uh, the the actual URL. So, so what that is? So the the URL, the 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 address is an address just like uh, a web address that you would you would use to, to to see a web page, but it's written in a different language. It's written in XML instead of HTML, and you can immediately forget that now. Um, but all, what you need to do is you need to take that address, copy it, and then add it under blog lines. So the nice thing about blog lines is the same thing about uh, the Whois is that it's web based. So once you're registered, you can take it with you. So you can basically, so this is my newspaper. Uh, I have a bunch of things that I track. I track uh, comments coming into open source this way. Um, I have a bunch of international blogs that I read, and then in with the international blogs is the, uh, the New York Times International RSS feed. It's just a much more efficient way to get. Yes. And blog lines is the one, yeah. And then so I, uh, you cut and paste those uh, uh, URLs in. I think it's probably going to tell me I'm already subscribed. Oh, look at that. I'm not yet. So um, there are 15 popularly used RSS uh, readers. Um, some of them actually live locally on your computer. They pull all that information actually down to your hard drive so you can take it with you. And there are advantages and disadvantages to that. You collect a lot of data that uh, clutters up your computer that way, uh, but you can read it on the train. Uh, so uh, the, what you want to Google for when you're looking for this, if you want a different reader than blog lines, is just RSS reader. Uh, and there are, a lot of, there, there are a lot of free ones available. So you download an RSS reader and you copy and paste uh, uh, the um, address of the RSS feed into it. So um, you were saying that uh, like democratic bloggers really embrace the this you know, blogging culture. Have you seen the same thing happening with uh, conservatives and the right? Yeah, they do it in different ways. Democrats tend to organize, uh, and conservatives tend to keep their own blogs. There's a lone wolf culture. I'm not sure. I don't know exactly what drives it. Uh, but there's a huge... So um, bloggers... Uh, at least the early bloggers saw themselves as outsiders, um, and that was uh, a, a mythology that resonated very well with, um, with Republicans. 
because I think culturally uh, they see themselves uh, as as outsiders uh, in America. So there are actually there's a huge uh, conservative blogosphere, uh, and they are much much more interesting to talk to about politics than almost any national conservative figure that uh, we we would um, we don't when we do you know we do a talk show once every two weeks we'll do something about the administration we don't put anybody from National Review on uh, we put on a stable we have of conservative bloggers who are much more willing to say things that are slightly critical and will say things in non-intuitive ways and won't say what you'd expect them to say. So uh, there's actually, uh, it's a good question. There, there are a lot of conservative bloggers. How often are you guys using uh, the comment threads on blogs for, for that matter, MySpace and or other social networking sites or any video blogging uh, sites? Using them to, uh, to find people? Right, as for source material. Not much at all. Um, um, we, we tend to use them. <laughs> you want to? Yeah, or go to this mic. Or you um, can just take over, actually. It would be great. Um, I would say about half of bloggers will leave their email addresses in their profiles, and another half won't. And in that case, the only way to get in touch with them is to leave a comment, which often um, sends an email to them and says, Greta Radio just commented on your blog and said this. And then it has the, so it's in effect the same way as emailing. Um, MySpace is, a, it's sort of similar to LiveJournal in that it's a younger congregation. Um, but it's useful. Uh, so if, if you're going to start doing this, um, I would suggest getting a MySpace page yourself because often you can only comment on MySpace blogs if you have a MySpace page yourself. Um, it's a way that they use of blocking spam. Um, that's one way that you can start blocking spam is you can only get comments from people who have blogger pages or whatever. Um, so that's one way that I use it pretty much every day. Um, but as far as actually mining it for, for content to use on the show or tracking people down, it's, um, if somebody has a blog, they're much easier to find than if there's somebody who stopped by and left a comment. And most blogs uh, follow uh, a pretty commonly accepted practice of not displaying your commenters' email addresses because it makes it very easy for them to be harvested uh, for incoming spam. So it's just, it's harder to, one, you could get lost. There are many more comments than there are blog posts. Uh, so we haven't really jumped into that yet. And two, those people are harder to track down. But often, because they want incoming links, they will leave a link to their own blog. And if I'm writing a knitting blog, <coughs> then probably 20 other people who also write knitting blogs are going to be reading me and commenting on my site. And so they might say, I just came up with this great pattern for a thingy with, without fingers. And, um, and you can go to my site and see it out and check it out. So it's, it's also um, uh, blog rolls are, are lists of blogs that a blogger likes on the side of the site. And that's a really good way of um, seeing people who, if, if you find someone who you respect, see who they respect by checking out the list of blogs that they like on their site. Um, another way to, uh, um, one of the best ways you can you can find out stuff it takes a little longer is by linking out. You can, you can get people to come by by linking out because if you link to them, they will see that there's an incoming link. Their blog service usually gives them a notification um, and they will, they will think it's great that they were linked to by an NPR show. And again, you're always NPR. Um, and uh, 
someone else will read on their blog, then they will link back to your show, and people will go and listen to the show, and they'll start to talk about it. And you will actually, uh, sometimes we, we've noticed uh, a day or two afterwards, we get a new spike in comments on our site about that show because some community that we've linked out to has discovered the show and wants to talk about it on our site. But the, I mean, but the basic rule is if you want to start a conversation, uh, uh, you have to wait but link out uh, to other communities, and they'll come back and find you. Yeah, this is a question about a different kind of blog use. I'm wondering if you've seen radio folks using blogs to promote or distribute their work or to do conversion media around audio work. So that's, um, that's the second half of what we do at Open Source that I haven't really talked about. But it turns out that um, working with bloggers is really, really good marketing. So we have uh, web traffic that's disproportionate to our carriage. Uh, and the reason is, um, it's not because of any sort of technical thing that we're doing. It's actually the emails that the producers are sending out. Because every time you talk to a blogger, um, there's a good chance, uh, more than 50%, that that blogger will be really excited even to have talked to you, whether he or she got on the program or not. And they'll blog about it. Hey, I had a conversation with a, um, with a NPR producer today. And it, the onus is on you to always be incredibly polite and well-spoken, regardless of who you're talking to, because it will always be blogged. Um, and Greta's had the problem that she has to discard boiler plate emails uh, once a week or so because people take them and put them, they're so excited to have gotten an email from a producer, but they put them on their blogs. And you can't use that anymore. Um, so what that does, though, is those people, every time they get excited about having talked to us or about having been on our show, they link back to us. Um, and so that does two things. One is, even if they have very small communities, those very small communities are important. And so you have to accept that like you gain reputation on the internet and you gain internet traffic uh, in inches. Um, there's, there's no big one solution. There's no big PR push that you can do. You accept that um, you, uh, you, you bring in 15 new readers. Somebody has 100 readers, uh, they link to you, 15 people follow it, maybe five will come back. And that's a great result. That's a really important result. And that repeated over time is a big deal. The other thing is Google ranks your search results. Google ranks you in its search results uh, by your um, number of incoming links. So as we accumulate incoming links from bloggers, we're actually much higher than we should be uh, in Google search results, which makes it much, much easier for us to be found. So there's a, self, there's a reinforcing cycle to working with bloggers um, that, actually, uh, that actually does a lot of your marketing for you. Um, we're working and have been for a while on a collaborative uh, tool that'll allow people to contribute audio over the site. Um, but that's a little farther off. Can you show us how you link out and then show us where you look on your site to assess who's linking back to you? Okay, so this is another way to use Technorati. You can ego surf on Technorati as well. So this is something I do once a day or so. So you can enter a URL into Technorati and it will display uh, who is linking to that URL as soon as it loads. So we have, um, this is how we can sort of see, and we, uh, um, it's interesting, it's really good feedback actually to read what people have written about the show if they stumble across it and listen to it and think you've gotten something wrong. Uh, a lot of our guests after they're on our show uh, go back out uh, and write about it and it's, uh, it's nice to see what they thought about how they were handled and how they were used, and you don't always agree with them, but it's, uh, it's good to hear. Um, and I, th I just saw a head poke in the door, and I think we're about, to, uh, um, we're about to be out of time, so I'll take one more question, but before that, I'll show you something I'm really, really proud of, which is, so on radioopensource.org, uh, 2,293 incoming links, uh, 810 links. 
So this is, they have much broader carriage than we do, and it's clearly not because we're a better show. It's clearly a consequence of the work we do every day, working with, uh, uh, you know, getting in touch with bloggers and encouraging them to link back to us. Um, uh, but this stuff isn't magical technical stuff that you can have your web guys do. It has to be something that the producers do to, to, uh, to create these incoming links. Uh, just a word of caution about, um, I think people have seen the success that you've had and the rise of blogs uh, so rapidly. But as you mentioned before, they take time. And stations have built blogs for, and producers come and say, oh, I want a blog for my show. And then they don't do it. And uh, you just said saw this with NPR, which apparently we're all looking for. Um, the, uh, they've had mixed signals. They're blogged for about a year, and they just scrapped it because they've been passing it around and passing it around. And no, it's not in the job description. And so people are excited about it, and then it dies. So it's something that uh, I think organizations, individuals, and stations really need to talk about the work and that's involved in them before committing to it. Because I think once you commit to it and try to develop that relationship with the audience that's on a different plane and a different platform than the radio to listener uh, relationship, then you take it away because it's too much work and that's, mm -hmm. that's an empty promise. And all this, um, this can, the, the, the way we produce actually contributes greatly to our producer workloads. So they actually, um, they can produce fewer shows a week than they could if they worked for Diane Rehm uh, or, or On Point. Um, and that's something that we have to be aware of. Uh, and one of the, uh, that's actually, it's, it's a really important point. I think, it, I think the cost is worth it. It has been so far for us, but it's not a cost that you can ignore. Um, and one of the problems that we've had is uh, as we consider hiring new people, we don't know whether to hire new blog producers or new producers and then distribute the workload more evenly. Because it turns out that it's actually much more efficient to have the producers themselves directly in contact with the bloggers because the producers know what the show is about. Um, and it's also a little more flattering to be talking to somebody whose direct job it is to decide whether or not to put you on the air. But um, it has changed the producer job description um, in a way that's not always entirely without friction. So I think I just saw another head poke in, so I think we got to go. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Zach and Greta.